Over a hill and under a misty mountain, deep within the unceded Musqueam territory of Vancouver, British Columbia, I'm Doug Vandalay with another episode of Comedy Zeitgeist. You can follow the show on Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist and pester me at Doug Vandalay. Hello to everybody listening on CITR 101.9 here for the first 30 minutes of the show. I didn't look up how to say his name, so let's roll the dice. I'm joined today by Ephemios Nasiopoulos. How'd I do? Good. It's more of an S on the Nasiopoulos. Nasiopoulos? Uh, what did I say? Yeah, it, it's, a lot of people do that. They had a Z. Right. Can... I guess the way uh, way the English language ruins things. But you, you nailed the first uh, the first one. Well, I got the first one right, and I, I must admit, because I, I could tell no lie, I didn't think when I wrote that intro that you would introduce yourself on the way into the studio, but I don't know why I didn't think that. Most people do. So uh, how's it going anyway? Good. Yeah, it's great. Great, great day in Vancouver. Uh, so you're a comedian, writer, and actor. How would you best describe your brand of comedy? My brand of comedy. Um, I I tell a lot of stories on stage, so that's my primary thing. Um, personal stories, I guess. That's kind of how it's changed or evolved over the years. Um, but yeah, that's basically what I do. And so I read that you're originally from Toronto. You mentioned uh, just before off air that you've been here almost two years. What uh, brought you out west? It's a it's a funny story. I was touring out west, and then. I had a couple gigs just fall through. One venue closed down and then so it was like short of work and then I just ended up staying a bit longer in BC and then I just decided to stay. It's <laughs> my friends were like, "Why don't you just try out here? Stay out here." So I mean, I I, I work across Canada and uh a little in the states. So there's just a good change. I, I love it out here. It's it's a great place to be. More for the city or the scene? Uh, well, the scene's great too, but more for the city. How does the the scene compare to Toronto? It's um, Toronto. I find that there's just a lot. There's more rooms in Toronto, but uh, not necessarily better rooms. I find that uh, people really support comedy out here. So you might have less stages, but uh, I find that they're more um, impactful. They're, you'll get a lot more out of them. When you say people support the comedy, do you mean the other comics and promoters or the crowds? Crowds, yeah. Like, um, there's so many shows out here where there's always a always a good crowd, or full crowd for sure. Yeah, I find even at the open mics, uh, people are generally pretty respectful. I haven't done any open mics myself, but we're uh, more comedy fans around here than comedians ourselves. Uh, you performed a number of comedy festivals, including JFL Northwest here in Vancouver. Uh, what have been your your favorite experiences doing that? You just get to meet a lot of uh, cool comics that are traveling through from from other parts of the world. So, and then that festival is actually coming up, and I believe a month from now. So it's just a good chance to see a lot of good comedy. Like I saw Bill Burr, I saw Maria Bamford last year. So otherwise, I don't really get a chance to see uh, really great comics like that coming through. So that that's what the festival is good for. Will you be performing this year? Um, I'm on a lot of the local shows and then fingers crossed, hopefully I get to open some of the bigger shows, but I wouldn't know that just yet. But, um, I'm on like corduroy show, I think maybe barely legal. There's a lot of local shows that they really push that are really good that you'll see a lot of good comics from Vancouver on. And you're, uh, hosting Wallflower tonight, right? The wall to wall? No, I'm at the the comedy mix this week. Comedy mix. Okay. I, I knew it was, uh, something we talked about previously on a different episode. 
Um, and also you emailed me that today, so it's uh, inexcusable to forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Doug. What are, what are some of the other festivals you've done? Um, I did a, the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, Hubcap Comedy Festival. Uh, Hubcap's in Moncton, New Brunswick. That's a real fun festival. And then the, the Winnipeg, it's like a, it's on CBC, it's televised. It's like just a bunch of galas they do throughout the week. I did that a couple of years ago. That was a lot of fun. Which one is your favorite that you've done? Probably this, the Just for Laughs Northwest. That's probably my favorite because it's just um, get to hang out with all your friends and you just get to see a lot of good comedy. And it's a a great scene here. So I would say that so far is the best one I've done. There's a lot of energy around it as well. A lot of late nights. Tell us about your comedy album, uh, Ephthemios. Nailed it, yeah. I released it with Comedy Records, I think two, two two years ago. And uh, it was just my, it's my first album, so it's a lot of it's based on earlier material and uh, recorded in Toronto. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to record. So I recorded over a couple of days and then uh, released it. I decided to put my name on it just so that people can see it a bit more since it's so long and hard to, for people to understand initially. Well, it stands out for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's not too many ephthymioses out there, I guess. I think I've met one before. There's a lot of Greek people in Perth where we're from. There is. How is that album received? Um, it's been great. So a lot of it's just it's just online. So it's on um, XM and on Canada Laughs, and then it's been playing on Raw Dog in the in the states a bunch. So it's been it's been keeping me alive, I guess. So yeah, it's been good. What can you tell us about your critically acclaimed one man show? I I uh, did that in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver. So I, it took me about eight months to write and it's just, um, it wasn't based on any standup I had. So it's just, so one man show based called disengaged, just based on some stories over the years, uh, I, I called off two engagements. So it's, it revolves around that. Is that, is that recorded anywhere? Um, uh, recorded? No, no, it's just, uh, just, just the live performances. I find with a one man show, it's more like a play. So it doesn't really translate to record it because uh, there's scenes in there. Um, and just like, it's very long form stories, but it's like, it's a funny one man show, but it's, it's not the same as stand up, which was a little, a little different for me. So it was kind of a challenge to write an hour that isn't just straight stand up jokes. Do you still perform that one ever? I perform, I've turned some of those stories and brought them into my stand-up act, but no, that was just kind of a challenge. I did, did those three festivals and then hopefully writing a new one now, but, um, yeah, not, it's not something I wanted to keep doing. Just kind of like I wanted to do that, do a one-man show, perform at all those uh, festivals and then, uh, move on and just try something new. Are you still part of Prank You? Prank You was... No, that was a, a one-off thing we did, I think a few, it's like f- three or four years ago, but no, that was just like a one thing they did. I, I think the network that it was playing on online doesn't exist, but uh, I think it got picked up in like Singapore or some smaller countries overseas, but I don't know if it's still playing anywhere. So that was a sort of like a sketch show. Yeah. So it was myself, Mace Galoni, John Paul, and uh, yeah, we just shot these pranks was, was a lot of fun though in Toronto a few years ago. Uh, I, I saw you had a few of them on your website. Uh, what were some of your favorite of those to shoot? Man, uh, there was one where I was a waiter at a restaurant and all the other comics were just telling me what to do in my head and earpiece. So I had to like drink people's booze, whatever, or eat food off their plate. And then this one, one couple 
is a man and his wife. And I had to go up to them and, you know, just take orders from them. And, and someone was in mayor, Kathleen. She's like, uh, okay, tell the woman she shouldn't be ordering beer because she's pregnant. So I had to accuse this woman of being pregnant, so, which is just basically saying she's, she's like gained weight or something. So I'm like, um, I don't think you should be ordering the beer since you're showing. I, I don't even, I don't know why I didn't say, I thought it would be easier to say showing than pregnant, which was a worse response. And these were uh, real people, real people. And the, the guy snaps a husband. He looks like Eric Bana. He's just like huge. He's like, I beg your pardon. I was just like, I'm just saying, you know, she's, she's pregnant. She probably shouldn't be drinking beer. And then, uh, he's like yells at me. And then he, they take off. They're so upset. So they take off and I don't even, they don't even know that it's a prank show. They left just thinking I'm a piece of shit so to this day. If that see that guy, he will just think I'm an asshole who just accuses his wife of being pregnant. Well, hopefully he sees it on YouTube or something. Well, he just left. I was, the producers, it happened so fast. They did not get a chance to stop that couple. So they just went out there. She has a complex now for sure. And he has to, calm her down and she's probably so insecure <laughs> i felt so bad i wish i could have just said no it's just it's an awful prank too there was and then everyone just started laughing but well, it wasn't even a good an prank. official official apology right here yes geez that that'd haunt me uh, <laughs> it's just someone just calls you pregnant and then and then that's it and you don't get to take it back or anything it's interesting you said he looks like eric banner you look kind of like eric banner yourself <laughs> <laughs> i've heard that a couple times but. is that what made you think of it uh, no, that guy, he had like, he just, he looked exactly like Eric Bann. I don't know. No, not, uh, you know, he started in sketch comedy. He did. Yeah. A lot of people don't seem to know that about him that I talked to here. You've had some interesting jobs before comedy. Do you think any of those experiences shaped your act? Yeah, I think all experiences do. Maybe not directly, but, um, just the, the pain and the long day to day of, uh, of doing those jobs. Maybe they make you think a bit more about comedy cause you hate being there but yeah i'd say so i don't have a lot of material directly linked to any of my other jobs per se it comes up in maybe if i'm riffing on stage with the crowd if i can relate to them through some jobs i've had but i don't have like a lot of material based on that if you uh somehow weren't allowed to do comedy anymore would you go back to any of those none i don't i don't know what i want to do <laughs> i do not want to go back to any of those jobs I think that's why I, I used to ask that question in the first few episodes of this show and it always get the same kind of answer. Just like when, wouldn't, wouldn't do anything else. No, like I'd remember like sleeping in a pickup truck and then just like coming home from a show and then just crashing at a construction site and then like being woken up on a walkie talkie, like Demios, where are you? I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm just, I'm around the corner guys. Like I had to pretend that I wasn't sleeping. You just working in construction. I was working construction for many years. Yeah. Good experience, but. I was always, always a couple steps behind because I was just so tired from burning the candle at both ends, I guess. Yeah, I feel that for sure. Uh, when I first moved here, I was working out on one of those uh, labor suppliers where they pay you 12 and charge 20. And uh, that kind of wrecks you and you got to wake up at uh, 4 or 5 a.m. just to go in there and make sure you, you get a job. I mean, they're good when you need them. Most yeah. of the people I worked with were uh, homeless people and they got a check every day. But still, it's pretty exploitative. Anyway, which uh, <laughs> is Political. pretty dark for this. But I don't know. It might, it might come up later uh, when, in the second part of the show. You start as terrifying villain gas worker in TV smash hit Arrow. I have yet to see that episode. 
Oh really? It I didn't even know. I didn't know that it was listed as villainous. Oh no, that that I was. Uh, <laughs> I just saw that you were a gas worker in the TV show, and I decided that that's a DC villain. Now. I didn't even know where that came up. Is that on there? Any? That's uh, that's. that's I, I usually search my guest IMDb, and uh, you credit. Oh nice, it. I'm a gas worker. Yeah. Oh, you didn't I remember know you were credited. I remember I was shooting that. I don't remember that I'm credited. I have to check that out. Tell my parents so that they can worry less about me that I've, I've been done something that is real. Yeah, you're a famous actor now. You're on a you're, <laughs> Gas on a, worker. you're part you of the assassinated. DC universe. You get assassinated. That's a spoiler for all the Arrow fans. Yeah, I think it's like two seasons ago though, or no, it was last season. 2018, it said so. Maybe still to be released. I might. It might be the best thing that DC's put out is that episode. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I hear Aquaman's doing pretty well, but I haven't seen it. It's doing pretty well, but it's an awful movie. Have you seen it? I have. I, <laughs> I just don't know what DC is doing. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. They're trying a few things. Like, they tried to go really dark after after Batman did well, and that didn't work because it's such a campy universe. And then now Marvel's just, like, kind of owned being silly and having brevity, so there's just no place for them anymore. Yeah, and you can't go too dark on Aquaman. There's one scene he's on a boat. I'm like, maybe... You know, it's a lot faster if you just swim there. Like, that's his whole shtick, isn't it? Does he know he's Aquaman the whole time? I don't think I'm ever going to see it. Right. <laughs> he knows he's Aquaman. But he doesn't know that he's a, a descendant of some royalty. Right. Where he doesn't he doesn't acknowledge but it. But I mean, what, what kind of reveal is that? Like, you can already control fish and swim really fast and breathe underwater. They're like, oh, you're the king of Atlantis. Like, okay. Like, I'm already the, basically the king of Earth with these powers, right? I don't, I don't know if they reveal, what does he do out of the water? I guess he's just really strong out of water. Is he? Like, I, I just don't get the point of him, I guess. This, I'm sure this has been talked to to death on actual, like, comics podcasts. <laughs> like, Superman's too strong. What the hell's Batman doing, like, in that universe? How is he standing toe-to-toe with Superman? With anyone. Justice how does League? he, yeah, how does he stand toe-to-toe with any of these like, people? Like, he's cool because he's a detective scientist. Uh, do, so you, do you get into the DC universe at all, like, outside of the... Outside of being a gas worker in uh, in Arrow, not uh, not so much. I, I mean, I love the the original the, the Christopher Nolan Batman's. I like those movies. And then, well, my sister's a big fan of Arrow, so I'll uh, I'll let her know to, that uh, I talked to someone from it. Did you ever hear about this uh, with Arrow? I know this is now the Arrow podcast, but um, <laughs> it just got so, it, the show got so like I don't know if you'll get in trouble for me saying this. The show got so bad that the fans of it on reddit changed the arrow subreddit into a flash subreddit they only talk about the flash on there oh really or maybe it's flash dead it doesn't matter i'm not sure i it it's actually it's funny like that was i was only there for a, uh i think a day but the the nicest people it was a good it was, it was a really good crew i guess they had been there for been together for a while so it was a lot of fun is that another one of the ones that they film in vancouver yeah so it was one of the best experiences i've had but uh yeah i haven't I just have, I gotta see it. I'm curious to know if I'm if I get killed or I know I get killed. I wonder if they show it. Right. <laughs> you you get killed by a good guy or a bad guy? Uh, bad bad guys. Oh, so you can't be a villain then? I can't be a villain as I could be. To be honest, I don't yeah, know. So you don't you don't really know the context then? Did you have lines? I did have lines. I had to it's uh to like we were I was inspecting something and then all of a sudden I just see three ninjas drop down and then some guy slits my throat. Was that was that a practical effect? What's that? The, the throat slitting? I, I wasn't in that. So I wasn't, I was, it's like I say something and then, so I guess someone doubles in and just blood squirts out of his neck. So I'm not in for the, the throat slash. Will someone tell you when that comes out? 
I'm not sure of the process. No. Right. No, I should just know when it, I should check it up. You'll just it's have out. to watch. If it's on IMDb, that means it exists. Oh, maybe I'll uh, watch that one episode and see, see what's going on. I'm Piers Ray. Sitting with me is Eric Ivanovich. My name is Eric Ivanovich. We're the hosts of Podcast vs. Podcast right here on the Cave Goblin Network. This is the only podcast pitching show on the internet. Tune in, find out if we can ever find the perfect podcast, or more importantly, can we agree on it? So we're going to do something a little different in today's episode. Instead of talking about a comedic influence, we're going to talk about the Canadian Association of Stand-Up Comedians. Is it stand-up comedians or stand-up comics? I think stand-up comedy. Of stand-up comedy in general. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization? Well, it's an organization uh, that was started in Toronto by uh, a good friend of mine, Sandra Badalini. And um, basically to really help comics get exposure, not only with this within Canada, but also um, when we're trying to work south of the border. Because uh, a lot of people don't know that it's a very expensive process and a lengthy process for Canadians to perform in the States. Like you need green cards, you need all ones. And then on the flip side, it's very easy for Americans to, to perform here. They don't have to go through any sort of process and it takes thousands of dollars, takes years to try and prove that you can work south of the border. So it's a, it's just an association that's trying to get more light on the, the struggles of Canadian comics. That's one part of it. Another is that there's no funding that goes into Canadian stand-up comedy. So their primary goal, I'd say traveling the States is a secondary goal. The primary goal was to get comedy considered as an art or treated as an art, like music, so that we could get access to the millions of dollars that goes into musical funding and theatrical funding. So that's the main thing. So they did get a, a, a member of provincial parliament to petition it. So it's... That's that's the goal right now is to get comedy considered as an art because it is an art and if it's an art then there there should be fine like you can record the worst musical album and this is not to a dog uh, the musical industry but they'll put thousands of dollars into you making that album and promoting that album and then as comics because we're not considered an art there's no government funding at all. It's it's interesting about that when I started doing radio here in Canada at CITR they have a mandate of. 25% CanCon mm -hmm. uh, across the radio station. But uh, I would be playing comedy clips as part of the previous show, Finding the Funny. And there was no, uh, CanCon didn't fall under that at all. We didn't have to pay, play 25% Canadian comics. And so I guess it would fall into the same sort of thing, the CanCon yeah, there's, bylaws. There's no real um, impetus for there's Yeah, there's no support from the government. And... Not to say that, but just within the arts. I mean, they were supporting all the arts except for comedy. It's and I think it's one of the most difficult things to do is um, is is to do stand up comedy. I mean, you're it's just yourself out there and you're performing all the time to strangers. It's a it's just it's a very difficult thing, and it is an art. And maybe it's not considered an art because you are interacting so much with the general public, like you're not producing an album in a studio necessarily. So it's, so it's live and there's kind of no fourth wall, whatever it's called. I don't know. I don't know why it's not an art. It is. Are uh, comedy music albums covered under the CanCon Act? That's a good question. I'm not too sure. I should just hum or have some music playing in the background when I tell my jokes. Yeah. I mean, that could be a, an interesting origin story as well. So uh, is the, uh, so you say CASC or CASC? 
I think this is called cask. So is cask associated with Actra or SAG at all? Um, I don't know exactly if how affiliated they are, but I do know that um, there are a lot of organizations like those that are supporting cask and getting its some recognition. So it's been it's it's come a long way. So there's been a huge support for it, and um, but I'm I'm not too sure how close we are exactly to getting that affiliation or being considered an art, but I know it's, it's, it's getting closer and closer and hopefully with some more support, people will be able to, uh, to get some funny. Cause it's, it's funny. People don't even know, don't even know the, the names of comedians they like in Canada. There's like no recognition. There's no sense of established Canadian comedians. Like, you know, a few, but I mean, with music, it's just, it's so prevalent here. And the, the, there's, there's like a fund of a hundred million dollars that goes towards music and theater. That's why some of the biggest pop stars and rap stars come out of here, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah, and a lot of people don't even know that they're, uh, some of their favorite historical com comedians are Canadian because they had to move to America to make it anyway. Like people like Jim Carrey and John Candy and Leslie Nielsen. How did you get involved well, just it's being moving out west. I know that the cask is 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 looking for representation across Canada, so they could have like members um, in each province. So myself and Julie Kim are out are here in British Columbia, so we're trying to raise awareness at comedy shows or when they're having fundraisers to kind of help spread the word. So there's there's reps in each province, and you know we're just it's pretty pretty grassroots out here just trying to get some awareness and you can like sign petitions you can go on the website and and uh petition your support for for that cause how else can people get involved they go to the website and if you're a show producer you can sign up um online and uh you know just reach out to whoever and just to get them kind of aware i think they just need a lot of signatures and a lot of support so that they can put it in front of uh parliament what what is the uh membership open to stand-up comedians it's yeah, it's open to stand-up comics but it's um i think anyone can just go on there and just sign and be a part of it they can volunteer they can help fundraising there's always certain events they're doing a lot of it is ontario centric right now but they they are expanding they reach to other other provinces. Well, well, is there uh, anything else you want to say about the association? I mean, if you love comedy, um, a lot of some of the best comics in the world are coming out of Canada, so it's like a really good um, step to help support Canadian stand-up comedy. It's funny; I think people are influenced by comedy more than they know it. Like, it's just it's it's so prevalent now with Netflix and Crave, and uh, a lot of these comics. Um, or out of Canada. And it's like, if we can support Canadian comedy within Canada, then there's a lot more production that can go into it and get a lot more spotlight on people that we love to watch on stage. And hopefully make it easier for people who maybe struggle financially, but have a gift, have a talent or just working hard and yeah. beating their head against the wall. So I don't, we don't always have to be sleeping in pickup trucks. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything else you want to plug personally? You can listen to my album on, uh, it's on XM and it's on iTunes and Google play and all that stuff. It's just my first name, Ephthymios. And, uh, where can people follow you online? Instagram. I mean, if you type in Ephthymios comedy, there's no one else. I mean, if you can spell it, you'll find me. Maybe you're going to become like a share or something. Just yeah, one name. Pretty eventually. much. <laughs>
Well, thanks so much for coming tonight. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow us on all social media at Cave Goblins and check out what we're doing over on cavegoblins.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. It's absolutely the best way to support the show at no cost. You can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and everywhere you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Comedy Zeitgeist. I'm Doug Vandalay. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.